Okay, good evening, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you tonight. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, I, I am really excited. Tonight is sort of just a, uh, a preview, an introduction to, to next week's sermon. I'm, re- I'm really excited. It's kind of cool that Ben gets to preach. It's actually going to be his birthday, too. It's cool that's happening on the same day. But um, you're going you're gonna to you're gonna want to make sure not to miss that next week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting to hear from him. We are continuing our, our series in the parables of Jesus. And we're looking at these stories. These are Jesus' favorite stories, the stories that he loves to tell. And we're, and we're looking here particularly about stories that he tells about the kingdom of heaven, which we've, which we've defined as the rule and reign of Jesus that's marked by love and truth and mercy and justice. And the aspect of that that we're going to be focusing on this week and next week is mercy. This aspect of the kingdom of heaven in the story that Jesus tells us about that. And we're telling this because we are people of story. We, we describe and define ourselves by our own story and the stories that we tell. Uh, but our stories don't really make sense. On their own, they don't have a beginning and an end. On their own, they don't have hope. On their own, they don't have redemption. They only have those things when they're found in the context of the great story that Jesus tells. And so we're looking at his story. So we're going to be looking in Matthew 18 this week. Starting in verse 21, Jesus has been um, talking with his disciples. They've argued over who is the greatest. He's, he's, told, um, he's told temptation stories. He's told a story about a lost sheep that Ben's actually going to speak about from the account in Luke next week. And then we get into this issue of how you deal with the reality that other people sin against you. And that's really what we're focusing on. So we'll pick it up in verse 21 from Matthew 18. Please read along with me. It's going to be on the screen. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. And he gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, I'm thankful for this story and for what it teaches us about the gospel and about the way that forgiveness works in your kingdom. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work in it right now so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In the, in the beginning of season four of The Office, uh, the season starts with this dramatic moment where Michael Scott pulls into the office parking lot and hits Meredith with his car. And, and Meredith is okay, but, but Michael is pretty shocked by what has happened. He's been talking about how good of a year it's been. And, and Meredith goes to the hospital, and it turns out she's broken her pelvis. She's in, she's in a lot of pain. And so the office uh, members decide that they're going to all go visit Meredith in the hospital. And, and, and Michael is sort of feeling bad about the way people are looking at him. He doesn't, he doesn't really enjoy the way they're disappointed in him. And so when they're all in the hospital visiting Meredith, at the end of the conversation, he, he kind of steps up and he says, um, you, you know what I was thinking would be really great would be if you, if you just forgave me in front of everyone. And Meredith says, I'm not going to do that. And Michael uh, quotes the Bible then and says, but you know what the Bible says, that forgiveness is next to godliness, and everyone sort of shakes their head. And Meredith says, you broke my pelvis. And Michael says, I, I don't know what's preventing you from just laughing this off and giving me a big hug. And she says, you're not forgiven. And then Michael tries to sort of climb into her hospital bed on top and, you know, irritating her broken pelvis. And then it flashes forward to, to Michael back in his office talking to the camera. And he says, do I have to be liked? Oh, he says, do I need to be liked? He says, absolutely not. I like to be liked. I have to be liked. But it's not like my compulsive need I have, like my need to be praised. And, and what you see is, it, is that Michael has this sense that he needs to be forgiven for what he's done, right? But as you see from what, he, from what he says, he doesn't actually feel any remorse. He's not actually sorry. He's not overcome with the pain of having hurt someone else. It's this sort of self-interested forgiveness. He just wants to be forgiven so that people will like him again, so that he can be affirmed, so that he can be, you know, reset in his position of honor as the boss, he has a misunderstanding of what real forgiveness is. And as we look at this story from Matthew 18, the way that Peter sets it up is with the scenario of, hey, my brother has sinned against me, my, my friend, someone in this community has sinned against me. How many times do I have to forgive them? Do I have to even do it seven times? Which may not seem like a big number, but he's saying if someone hurts me, and then they hurt me again, and then again, and again, and again, and again, and again, I still forgive them? That's the question. And, and I want to say something here just at the very beginning, and that's this, that, that, that the context of this passage is about, uh, he says, my brother. It means someone who is in the community of faith with you. And, and sometimes uh, we hear this, especially, and I don't know if this is any of your story, but if, if you're hearing this and you're someone who has, who has really suffered egregiously at the hand of another person, if it's part of your story that there has been harm in the form of something like abuse, I want you to know that God really cares about that, and there's actually other passages in the Bible that, that speak more specifically to that. But what this passage is more talking about is that is like the daily wear and tear of life with other sinners who hurt you. And we experience that in all kinds of ways. And the problem is that kind of like Michael Scott, we tend to misunderstand what forgiveness is like. We want to, we want to be forgiven so that we can end the conflict. We want to be forgiven so that we can feel at peace. We want to be forgiven so that we can feel okay about ourselves. And this is a story about what happens when you misunderstand forgiveness. And so what I want to describe and what I think Jesus does in this passage is he describes this kingdom flow. What is the flow of forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven? Okay, And here's what I think he shows us. He talks about needing forgiveness. He talks about receiving forgiveness. And he talks about extending forgiveness. Okay, Needing forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, and extending forgiveness. So that's what we'll talk about. The first thing is needing forgiveness. And in this parable, 
uh, it's told within the context of a financial debt, okay? Someone who owes someone else money, right? But of course, we know that Jesus is always talking about our hearts, so you can think of your sin and not just financial debt here, okay? And, and this story tells us about this improper flow of forgiveness. And it becomes a counter to what he wants us to see, what he wants to illuminate, which is the proper flow of forgiveness. So there's a couple things that, that, that stand out to me here. The first is, is how this debt sort of is, comes to light. And you'll notice that the person who owes the great debt, he does not bring it up. He does not take any initiative on his own. In fact, he gets called before the king, his master, who summons him to get what he owes, right? So he, he's not taking any ownership of this at all. And the next thing that you notice is, is how much he owes. The debt is described as 10,000 talents. And I don't know what, if, if you know what a talent is. What, what the footnote in my Bible tells me is that a talent is equivalent to about 20 years worth of wages. So imagine that you're living in a society where you, you don't really accumulate wealth. You, you make enough money each day to survive that day, and you make that money, and, and the amount of money that you would make in 20 years, basically a lifetime full of wages. Jesus is saying he owes 10,000 lifetimes of, of wages. The math equals 2 million years of money. Two million years of wages, okay? So what you have to sort of wrap your mind around is that this is an, an astronomical, this is an incalculable, this is an insurmountable. I knew I was going to almost mess it up because Michael says insurmountable in another episode. It, it's, that, it's, it's an insurmountable amount of money. It's a debt that no one could ever pay back. It's like me saying that someone owed me a zillion kajillion dollars. It doesn't even compute. That's how much it is. That's how much he owes. And when you owe that much, you have no chance of paying it, so there's only one way out. And the one way out is to be forgiven the debt. That's the only way out. And the message of this is to help us realize that because of our sin, that we owe God this kind of astronomical, incalculable, insurmountable debt. And if you're not a Christian, you may not understand this, that a core belief of the Bible's teaching about life with God is that each of us, every person is a sinner. And, and it describes sin as this sort of rejection of God and his ways and replacing of that with our own selfish desires. And that when you reject a God who is perfect in power and holiness and purity and in infinite ways, that it's the most egregious thing imaginable and that it actually has such a consequence that it's like having a debt you owe God that you can never pay back. And so the, the question I want to ask you is, is this. Do you think of yourself as a pretty good person? One of the things I struggle with in my own walk with Jesus is the sense that I, I'm just a pretty good person. And so I'll say things in my head like, yes, I, of course I'm a sinner, but dot, dot, dot. At least I'm not as bad as those people over there. And I tend to really enjoy in the sinful parts of my heart comparing myself with other people so that I can feel like I'm pretty good and they're not so good. Any of you guys ever do that? I'm sure that you do. And, and one of the things that I'm, I'm confirmed from in, in this passage is the reality that to stand before God, selfish, sinful, broken person that I am, I'm standing before, before someone in, in need of forgiveness. That there's no way on my own I can make things right with God. There's no way I can pay that debt. And so the beginning of the flow of forgiveness in the kingdom of God is to come before him as people who acknowledge and know that they have one way out, and it's 
to be forgiven. That's the need that we acknowledge, okay? So that's the first thing tonight. The, the second thing we see is the receiving forgiveness, which flows from and comes after this acknowledgement of, of our need. And what happens here is, is really beautiful. I'll, I'll read it in verse 27. This is what happens. Uh, verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And then verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Out of pity for him, he released him and forgave him. The heart of God is compassion and mercy for sinners. That's the heart of God. Compassion and and mercy for sinners. That, that's what the good news of the gospel is, is that no matter how big a debt you owe, no matter how great your sin is, you encounter a God whose heart towards you is compassion and mercy. And the verse that comes to mind, this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. It comes from the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament from chapter 3, verse 21. It says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. When we come before Jesus in need of forgiveness, we experience a God who is described like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. The flow of forgiveness from Jesus to you because of his death and resurrection, it never stops. It never turns off. It never quits. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And this is really important because Peter's saying, you know, when I'm thinking about forgiving other people, are you saying I have to forgive them even seven times? And Jesus' answer is like, no, I'm telling you 77 times. He, he's basically saying you just have to keep doing it again and again and again, which seems a little crazy until you realize that our forgiveness for others flows from what we have received, which is to be forgiven from God again and again and again and again. And it never stops. Uh, sometimes we sing this song, the course of which our sins that are many, his mercy is more. And, and sometimes we struggle with, with acknowledging the reality of our need for God's forgiveness. And at other times, we struggle with believing that his forgiveness is enough to cover the sins that we've done, especially when we've done something that we really regret, that we feel really bad about. Or especially when we struggle with some, some of the kinds of, of habitual sins, things that we keep having to ask forgiveness for again and again and again, things that we know we shouldn't do or we wish we, wish we could stop, but we keep doing them. And you think of struggles with things like pornography or addiction or sex or losing your temper or whatever it is, the things that you, you want to stop doing and you just keep doing them. And you get to a point, if you're praying to God, where you feel just a little silly and a little foolish, like, is God going to forgive me again? Isn't he sick of this? Isn't he finally going to get frustrated? Isn't he going to finally say, that, that's, that's enough, Lewis. I, you, you, you should have stopped by now. You know better. I've given you forgiveness. That was your chance. And I want to remind you if that you're coming to, to this passage tonight from that kind of place. I want to remind you that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. That there is no amount of sinning, no amount of time that you could do it that is too much for God's forgiveness for you. When you come to him in your need, he will forgive you every single time for your whole life no matter what. That is the good news of the gospel. He'll never stop offering his love and forgiveness. We come in our need of forgiveness and we receive forgiveness from him again and again and again. And then the final movement of this flow of forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven is extending 
forgiveness. That forgiveness flows into us from God, and then it extends from us to our relationships and to our community. And, and the man in this passage who's described, he, he did not understand his need. And he, kind of like Michael Scott, he comes and, and asks for forgiveness, but you, you realize based on the way he acts that he's really just trying to get out of trouble. He doesn't actually have a broken heart about the way he's hurt his master. He doesn't have a broken heart about the way he's squandered uh, so much he must have done to squander to have this amount of, of debt that it led to a failure to extend, to extend forgiveness. And one of the interesting things you notice is when the first man comes to God, or sorry, comes to the king, and he pleads, he implores him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Notice that when he finds the man who owes him money, he says the exact same words. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. This is verse 29. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He says the exact same words. And there's no forgiveness. He actually, when he finds him, he chokes him and then he throws him in jail. And, and one of the things that I think Jesus wants us to notice is the ratio of the two debts here. The, the, the fellow servant owes this first servant 100 denarii, which uh, a, denarii is a, a denarius is about what you would make in one day of work. So 100 denarii is still a lot of money. It's what you'd make in 100. That's three months worth of wages, right? But that's nothing compared to two million years worth of wages, right? And so one of the things that Jesus wants you to see is, is the way that our debt and our sin before God towers over the sins and offenses that we experience with one another. Because the language that's used here is fellow servant. This is, this is sin amongst equals. To sin against a person is not as bad as sinning against a perfect God. Our sin against him towers over it, which is really good news because it means our experience of forgiveness with God can actually tower over the sins we experience in relationships. And so what I think Jesus wants, and what I've been trying to reflect on today as I've struggled with, with anger and, and, and disappointment in other people who I want to judge and who I don't want to forgive, is I think Jesus is calling us to, uh, to imagine what is real, which is that every time you, you interact with another human being, the thing that has just happened to you is that you have entered the throne room of heaven as a broken sinner and been forgiven, blessed, and loved. That's the thing that is coming before every interaction with every person you experience in your whole life. That right before that, and in fact during it, and all the time, you are coming before God with an insurmountable debt because of your rejection of him in your selfish life, and you're experiencing just wave after wave after wave of mercy that never ceases. And that's the thing that empowers you to extend forgiveness to others. And one of the things I, you know, I want to ask you is, you know, there's probably people who you're having a hard time extending forgiveness to. And there's probably some good reasons for that. But a bigger reason to extend forgiveness is what God has done for you. That, that, that means that uh, reimagining God's forgiveness of you is the thing you should do before you call your mom back who sent you a passive-aggressive text about never checking in. That, that reimagining your experience of forgiveness of God is the thing you should do before you have that confrontation with one of your roommates about like who's not respecting what you've agreed upon for COVID restrictions. That that's the kind of thing you need to cultivate and reimagine your forgiveness with God before you consider how you're mad at the university or, or mad at the state of Virginia or mad at the president or mad at whatever, whatever it is that you're having trouble with. We have to remember that the starting point is the experience of forgiveness with Jesus.
to us. And if that's really true, then it's, it, it becomes more reasonable to cultivate forgiveness towards the people who have hurt us a little bit. And the, the passage ends with what's really a stark warning. The, the man who failed to forgive, he's called back before the king, and, and, and the king throws him in prison. He says, that debt that I canceled, I'm putting it back on you because you did not extend mercy. And, and Jesus says, so the father will do to you if you don't forgive your brother. So here's what this means. This is really important. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus, which he invites all of us to, it's a kingdom of forgiveness. We need forgiveness, we receive forgiveness, we extend forgiveness. It's one of the hallmarks of this kingdom. And if you don't want to walk in the ways of forgiveness, then you are making a choice to be outside of that kingdom. And if that is scary to you, or if that is stressful to you, you wonder, I don't want to be outside then I think the takeaway is to walk deeply in the experience of the need and receiving of forgiveness from Jesus yourself. It's the thing that's going to actually change your life and your relationships, okay? And so I, I want to I give you just a few things to take away from this. A few things that we do to cultivate this imagination. The, the, the first is a daily striving to acknowledge our need of forgiveness. And, and, you know, sometimes we think we're supposed to think positively about ourselves. You know, it's like good for our self-esteem. But one of the things that Christians have to learn how to imagine is the reality of how broken we are and how guilty we are before God because of our sin. And if this is hard for you, this is something that I actually haven't done this in a long time. I was talking about this with Abby and Ben and Laws. I think we're going to do it this coming week. Now, this is a little exercise for you, okay? is to take a piece of paper and a pencil and take about 20 minutes and try to write down every single sinful thing that you've done in the past 24 hours on that piece of paper. This is a really painful thing to do. But if this is hard for you, it might be a good challenge. I want you to think every inappropriate, lustful thought and desire, every moment of anger or sharp words you said towards another person, every moment of greed and pride and arrogance, every time you judge someone else and compared yourself, right, you start to realize, okay, I'm not just like a pretty good person who's technically a sinner, like I have all this brokenness in my heart, okay? We actually have to strive to daily understand ourselves and our need of forgiveness. The second thing is the daily experience of receiving forgiveness. One of the things you hear me say again and again is that I think we need to build into our daily life of prayer time where we confess our sins to God. Where we ask for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness from God is the most beautiful thing you can do. And it's a prayer that you can know that the answer will always be yes. There's two things you can pray and God's answer will always be yes. One is, your will be done, and the other is, will you forgive me? The answer is always yes. I hope you'll pray it every day so you can hear God say, yes, I forgive you, and I love you. Okay, and then the third thing is that strive to extend forgiveness. And this requires, you need to ask yourself, who in your life is it hardest for you to forgive? Who in your life is your patience wearing thin with? Who in your life are, are you tired of putting up with their stuff? Who is that for you? You have to recognize that, you have to bring that to God, and you have to put it within the story of the kingdom, which is a story where you needed even more forgiveness and you received it. I, I think the heart of this passage is to cultivate a heart that knows the mercy that comes from Jesus. The mercy that flows without ceasing and never, ever comes to an end. That is true for you and my prayer for all of us is that we might extend that kind of forgiveness in our own communities and our own relationships. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we do praise you that you extend us forgiveness again and again and again.
that you see our need, you see how badly we need to be forgiven, you see how we sin against you again and again, you see how many different ways our hearts are turned away from you and towards our own selfish desires, and you are not turned away. You continue to pursue us with your love. Lord, I pray that that news would sink deep into our bones and it would extend into our relationships and our community. Pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.